Well, if you're new with us, welcome. We are in the middle of a sermon series that we call General Admission. This is where we um, really just take a look at what's going on out in culture through movies and, and try to look at what these movies say, this medium says about where we find hope, where we find significance, where we find the things we want in this world to make ourselves happy, and we parallel that with what God's Word says. And the movie that we are going to use this morning is called The Good Lie. Now, this movie is PG-13. Um, it, it's not a movie that, that we endorse as a church. Um, it's a powerful, powerful movie. Um, we are not going to show any clips in here. They're going to want to make us turn our heads. There's no violence in any of these clips. But this is a good time if you're a little bit nervous. Um, we have an amazing children's ministry here. Um, if you have little ones, uh, we have people that are gifted and equipped and trained um, to care for those of the youngest ages. And as we go to our ministry year, it's a great place for me to plug this. There's, you know, one of the best places to serve in our church is within our children's ministry where we have the privilege to shape and mold the lives of the little folks that God trusts us with, to, to be a small part of them becoming the men and women that God has created them to be. Um, as we always do at the church, we want to ask God for his guidance, so please bow your head and pray with me. Dear Father, we just thank you for our lives. We thank you for our family. We thank you for every breath that you give us. Father, we thank you for bringing us here today to hear from your word. Father, we ask you to challenge us, to stretch us, to comfort us. Father, to give us perspective. Father, to remind us of where true hope really comes from. Father, we thank you for your generosity and your kindness and your mercy and your grace. All of it coming through your son, Jesus Christ. And it's in his name that we pray together. Amen. is a story of my brothers and sisters. When we were little, we did not know many things. We did not know the world was big or that it was different from us. We only know our villages in Sudan, which have been there for thousands of years. I should say Southern Sudan, for we were soon to learn that was an important distinction. Quiet and 
Oh, I'm gone. A drag? Kaja! Ha! It's it yum! And she no more dang? And she dumb? I know I'm ready to go. Go, 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 Aren't you with Betty? Um, you're not sure what? This brutal civil war in Sudan lasted more than 20 years, from 1983 to 2005, as the government and rebel forces from the north invaded South Sudan and just decimated village after village after village. More than 2.5 million people were killed during this 25-year span. And sadly, it's estimated that more than 20,000 children, just like Abital, Theo, and Mamaya, were orphaned. They were left without anybody. They were left without food. They were left without shelter. They were left without direction in their lives. In the snap of a finger, their lives were completely turned upside down as they were left to fend for themselves. And the sad thing is, this is not just a picture. Things like this happen throughout our world every single day. We've read recently in the news about ISIS and their persecution of Christians. We read about the car bombings in the Middle East, the war in Afghanistan, the senseless violence and killing of innocent people. Even here within the United States, we hear about gang violence and drug violence in New York, in Boston, in Philadelphia, in Las Vegas, in Los Angeles. We heard about the riots and the, un the killing of unarmed people in Ferguson, right outside of St. Louis. Violence, hatred, bigotry, persecution, selfishness, slander, greed, envy, adultery, lewdness. It's everywhere. It's around every single one of us. 
It's around us at school. It's around us at work. It's around us in our neighborhoods. And it's around us in our own families. And if we're all honest with ourselves, it's in our very own heart. And the source for all of it is exactly the same thing. It is sin. It doesn't matter if you're gunning down innocent people in Sudan or lusting after your coworker in your office in downtown Pittsburgh. It all comes back to the same root, which is sin. The Bible tells us that sin affects every single one of us, and it originated back with the very first man and very first woman in the world, Adam and Eve. You see, when God created Adam and Eve, he placed them in the Garden of Eden, which was perfection. He gave them everything that they needed, but not everything that they wanted. You see, they wanted to be like God. And God told them, do not eat the fruit from this one tree. And wanting to be like God, they decided to disobey and they ate of the fruit. And at the moment of the very first crunch, sin entered their lives as they disobeyed God and interrupted their relationship with Him. And the same sin that entered their lives has been passed down from generation to generation to every single person in this room. In fact, the Bible puts it this way in Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. See, this sin inside of us makes us do unthinkable things to the people around us, like lying to our spouse, cheating on a test, talking behind other people's backs, Staring at pornography or on our phone or on our computer screen. See, sin causes all of these things in us. And this sin in our life comes with a price. It hurts those around us. It hurts us. It causes the separation between us and God, which leaves us kind of wandering through this life. But there is a cost that's far greater than all of those things. And the Bible puts it like this. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of this sin is death. Now the writer Paul here is not talking about a physical death. right? The last time I checked the mortality rates, it was still hovering right around 100%. Right? We are all going to die. We're all going to suffer a physical death. But this verse is not talking about this. This verse is also talking about a spiritual death, a separation from God, this space between us. To put it bluntly, it is spending an eternity in hell. Now, it's easy to look at this movie and see the atrocity of innocent people just being mauled and maimed and killed and left for dead in the desert of sub-Saharan Africa. And say, you know what? 
They deserve to die. They deserve to be judged by God. They deserve to be banished to hell forever and ever. But you know what? The same thing is true for you and I. Our sin is no different than innocent people, gunning down innocent people in Sudan. See, because sin in God's eye is all the same because it's against him. The Bible even says, even our good acts, even our righteous acts, like being generous, coming to church, being baptized, doing more good things than you do bad things. Our confirmation or CCD class, it says all of those things fall short of what God expects of us. Isaiah 64, 6 says all of our righteous works are like filthy rags. And this sin and this resultant separation from God causes this emptiness that's inside of us, this yearning that's inside of us. And we spend our lives separated from God, wandering through life, looking for things to fill this emptiness inside of us. Do we wander aimlessly, much like the way that these poor refugees had to wander through sub-Saharan Africa? Who the wheels are cut to when it happened? 
cool and walk in here. Yeah, from Northfield. They want to make me so by running away. These poor children wandered under extreme conditions. They had no food. They had no shelter. They had no break from the heat. They had no shoes. And the reality is they really had no direction. All they were doing is they were on the search for safety, for nourishment, and for shelter. They were on a thousand mile journey and had no idea where they were going or what the ending was going to be for them. They were running away and didn't even ultimately know where they would end up. And if you notice that group that they met on their way were coming back from Ethiopia. So actually walking hundreds of miles towards Ethiopia with the hope of shelter and food and nourishment at the border, they were instead met by guards, their hopes dashed, and had to turn around and then walk nearly a thousand miles to Kenya. Their hope squashed at the Ethiopian border. And I think the same thing, the same principle applies to our lives. We are all on the journey. And if we are separated and disconnected from God, as we discussed earlier, it's a journey that's made under extreme conditions. Conditions that have separated us from God, forcing us to rely on our own desires and our own wants and our own ways of filling our lives up with stuff. A journey that leaves us hoping that at the end of time, that our good deeds will some way outweigh our bad deeds. And apart from God, it's a journey that certainly lacks certainty as we look ahead. See, we wander and we chase things with uncertain endings. Just like they ran to Ethiopia and had their hopes dashed by soldiers, we do the same thing. See, for wandering for, uh, wandering for us is not through a physical desert. Separated from God, we wander through a spiritual desert. And instead of seeking shelter and nourishment for us in this room, we seek things like success in careers, money, status, respect, and popularity to make ourselves feel better under these conditions that we live in separated from God. 
But as we all know, all of those things that I just named end up disappointing us in the long run. See, just like Theo, Abital, and Mamer said when they were drinking that urine, to do so where they just wanted to live. They didn't want to die. In the same way, our efforts, the way that we want things, the way that we try things like relationships and money and success leave us disappointed and a bad taste in our mouth when they don't live up to our expectations. And as we wander from God, separated, searching for the meaning of life and what's the purpose of our time on earth, dangers and the effects of sin lurk at every corner waiting to cut our knees out from underneath of us. Theo. Theo. Walking Jack Bepin mean to Wong Yang Wok Woping. Daniel Chitwine, Nin Ku. And she made way to no coach Bring the bye, Emin. 
Matteo trovo il gambo, copia. In the midst of their wandering, they found more danger. Sin crept up on them again through the life of that soldier. And if you really look and study that movie, it's Mamere's fault. He's the one that talked Theo into staying and resting for the night. Mamere was the one who stood up that the soldier saw. So by all accounts of rights and wrongs, Mamere is the one that should have been taken away by the soldier. But instead, Theo grabbed the shawl and stood up and offered himself up as a sacrifice so that his brother and sister and friends could live. See, in our wanderings, in our sin, in our extreme condition, God did something far greater than what Theo did for he and his traveling companions that day. You see, God sent Jesus as a sacrifice so that we can live, to give us peace and to give us eternal life. Romans 5, 8 puts it like this. God demonstrated his own love for us than this. That while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. So to, despite it being our fault, right? We're just like Mamer in there. He was the reason they got caught. But we are the reason that we are in sin. It's our decisions that puts us in sin. But yet Christ is the one who gives himself up to make things right with God. He came to make right what we have done wrong, what we are doing wrong, and what we will do wrong in the future. You see, he is the only one, Jesus Christ, that can offer us that hope that will never fade away. The hope in eternal life. See, when we're in this battle and our wanderings trying to figure out whether our good deeds have outweighs our bad, there's not certainty in that. But Jesus coming as a sacrifice for you and I and our sin does provide each of us with certainty. Because the things of this world do not offer us assurance. Hope in these things goes away. Hope placed in anything else other than Jesus Christ fades away and disappoints us.
promise of a better life in the camp had long come and gone since our arrival. Weeks became months, and months became years. We found strength in sticking together, but our hope of ever leaving was fading. Names are on that list. All of us? Yes. We are going to Kansas City, Missouri. Are you sure? I'm sure. Really? We are going to America. Blessing be from God who has to take us to this Kansas City. Not me. Not me. If you heard Jeremiah's words at the beginning of that scene, he said the hope had long come and gone of being in that camp. Then he went on to say that the hope of ever getting out of that camp was starting to fade away. But there was a new reason for hope. The list came out and they were going to be able to be refugees in the United States, the Kansas City. Have you ever seen anyone in your life be excited to go to Kansas City like that? Well, they were. Because Kansas City represented new hope for them. They were going to the land of opportunity where any dream that they had would be able to come true. Where they would finally be settled to have shelter and peace and nourishment, a job, education, health. But that would be till the day that that hope in Kansas City would start to fade the same way that the camp started to fade away. The hope in leaving the camp started to fade away. I don't know about you, but my hope is not found in going to Kansas City and all the promise that it has to offer. But what was Kansas City to them may be a new job for you or a spouse, or a children, or a clean bill of health, or a fat retirement account. That somehow in some of those things we can find security. 
that we can find contentment, that we can find fulfillment, and ultimately that we can find hope. But the truth is, just as they would ultimately find out in Kansas City, hope in all of these sorts of things fade at some point. We've all been there. You're sitting in middle school and your only desire is to get out of middle school and survive middle school to make it to high school because that's the promised land. Right? Then out of high school, you can't wait to get out of high school because all the freedom the college has to offer and things will never be better when I get into college and my parents quit telling me what to do. And then the drag of homework and the bills and the financial pressure being in college, if I can only get out of this place and be on my own and live in my own apartment, that's when I'll find happiness and peace and contentment and hope. And then you realize the rent bill comes every month. And so does the car payment and the student loan payment. And then you find yourself lonely. It says, only if I can find someone to be married to, that, that's where I'll find my happiness and my contentment and my peace. And we all know, well, that turns out for all of us, doesn't it? <laughs> Just kidding, honey. <laughs> then children, they'll bring fullness to our life. And then you get to a point where you say your fullness of life will come back when they move out. <laughs> but we find ourselves always looking beyond, placing our hope in something. And when we finally get there, regardless of what it is, we're disappointed. It didn't live up to what we thought it was going to be. You see that peace that we seek the contentment that we seek, the fulfillment that we seek can only come through the person of Jesus Christ and nothing else. The one that God sent here as a sacrifice for you and I to pay the penalty for the sins that you and I continue to commit so that we may have life and have it to the full, knowing with certainty when we open up our eyes when we die, so we'll wake up in the presence of the Lord in heaven and live there in eternity with him. Ultimately, for these boys, their hope in Kansas City started to fade. But Mamere found something else to put his hope in. He got word that his brother Theo that sacrificed himself for them was alive. And he somehow had made his way back in that same refugee camp that they spent 13 years in. Mamere's hope became to be reunited with his brother Theo. But after weeks of looking... Mamere's hope was starting to fade.
you are. Ding. A joke? Hello? Mommy, yeah? The others? Daniel is with God. But the rest of us, we all made it. My God. My God. So after years of guilt and struggling with the shame of what had happened that day in the field in that elephant grass, Mamir tried to redeem himself by working hard with government officials to have Theo reunited with them in the United States. His hope now become that they would be reunited as a family. But was that hope realized? Theo, when you get on the plane, a helpful person will take you to your seat. You show me these things. Theo, from this moment on, it's very important that you only answer to the name Amer. What are you saying? <laughs> I could not get you any papers. No, Mamia, we cannot. Yes, but you must. But it is a lie. Yes, I know, but it is a good lie. But you? I will go to Kakuma. I can work at the hospital. Theo, you gave me life. That day in the elephant's grass, you gave us all life. I give it back to you. You are chief now. They say we were saved by coming to the United States, but we also save each other. And although our differences may divide us, our common humanity unites us, for we are brothers and sisters. All of us try to share this wonderful world we call home. They call us the lost boys of Sudan. I don't think we are lost. I think we are found.
Lemaire had more than he ever thought was possible. He had found safety. He had found shelter. He had found nourishment. He had received a job. He received an education. He had opportunity from his perspective. He had more than his wildest dreams would ever allow him to have. But he decided to give it all up so that his brother could have hope. See, Mamer made his life second to that of his brother. And we heard Jeremiah at the start of that clip say about our common humanity unites us. And he goes on to say, I don't think we are lost, but I think we are found. And that is the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, our common humanity does unite us. And that common humanity is sin. We all have it. Every single one of it. We have to deal with it in our lives. It doesn't matter where you live. It doesn't matter how much money you make. It doesn't matter how big your retirement account is. It doesn't matter what your health is. It doesn't matter the clothes you wear. It doesn't matter the color of your skin. We are all united in our sin. And this sin separates us from the living God. And there is nothing that we can do about it ourselves. But in a similar way that Theo gave up his life in that elephant grass field that day, Jesus Christ gave up his life so that you and I could live with hope that never fades in an eternity with the living God in heaven. See, we don't have to be lost. We don't have to wander. God doesn't care how successful your company is. God doesn't care what kind of car you drive. God doesn't care about the diplomas on your wall, your grades. He cares about you making your life second. Putting him first. His desires for your life. And that hope and that certainty of seeing God face to face when you close your eyes from the last time only comes through knowing Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. And that's a hope that never fades, that never goes away, and that will never disappoint. Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10 puts it like this, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is with your heart that you believe and are justified. And it is with your mouth that you confess and are saved. That's it. That is certainty. 
And the only way that you can have that is by offering up your life second to God. Accepting the fact that you can't fix what's going on in your life. No matter how good you think it is. If you're living apart from Christ, you're living under extreme conditions. Wandering, looking for things to make you feel good. To make people look up to you. Certainty and true hope only comes through a relationship with Jesus Christ. Now for those that have placed your trust in Christ, I'm going to ask you to start praying now for those that do not. Because I want to speak directly to those who do not have this personal relationship with Jesus. If you don't have this relationship, I'm going to give you an opportunity to do that in just a second. God's brought you here for a reason. Your friends or family have invited you here today because they want you to hear this message. And if you came by yourself, I can tell you that God ordained this moment for you to hear this. Quit finding hope in the things of this world. It's going to disappoint you. I don't care how good you think it is right now. Ultimately, it will let you down. And if you're at that point in your life where you have finally decided that the things you're doing aren't filling that emptiness inside of you, or if you're at that point in your life where you realize, you know what, if I died today, I would have no idea where I would end up. I implore you to make today the day that you surrender your life to Christ. To do so, just say this prayer after me. And it's not the prayer that saves you. It's what's going on in your heart that saves you, just like that scripture we read together. If you're at that point in your life, just say this prayer after me. Dear Father, I thank you for the life you've given me. And Father, I'm sorry for what I've made of it. I mean well. I try to be generous. I try to be nice. I try to do more good things than bad. But somehow, some way, there's always this bad inside of me and this emptiness inside of me that doesn't seem to go away as I search and seek and wonder, looking for thing after thing after thing. And Father, I can breathe easy now knowing that the only place to find that contentment and that peace and that hope and that certainty in eternal life is through believing that you sacrificed your son Jesus for me. So Father, I sit here broken and sorry for the things I've done in my past and the things I'll continue to do. But today I sit here with the intention of making myself second to you. And Father, I believe that you sent your son to die for me. 
and I accept that free gift of grace. I don't know exactly what that means right now, but I trust that you will guide each of my steps. Father, thank you for loving me that much. I look forward to the amazing things you're going to do to and through my life. I love you and I thank you for Jesus. It's in his name that I pray. Amen.